Villainous, a Good Omens fan fiction, written by Ineffable Penguin, read aloud by Skya Simaru. If you enjoy this podfic, you can check out the original story on Archive of Our Own. If you would like to hear more of my recordings or see some of my own work, you can find me through the pen and screen name of Skya Simaru. Villainous. Chapter 23. Mad Things. Warning. Parts of this chapter are not safe for work. It includes descriptions of sexual activity. Please utilize headphones if you intend to listen. It had been a good day, or at least... As good a day as one could have without Azra in it. Crow had risen late after another night of extremely pleasant, enthusiastic dreams, fueled by the recent dose of extremely pleasant reality, and had spent the day doing absolutely whatever he wanted. That included going into town to purchase some new wine, during which he'd managed to be completely unbothered by the usual glares, laying out the ingredients for chocolate cake to bake later that night, and fiddling with some new flower designs. He'd tried an adjustment to the gauzy maiden's veil flowers, the ones from the book Azra had gifted him, and decided that a dash of lavender was just the thing to give them a little extra something, and it had taken him all of that day to realize what the puzzling new sensation was. It had been creeping up on him for the last couple of days, the sensation of something missing though he couldn't quite put his finger on it. It wasn't until he spiraled all the way down the stairs to the kitchen without once holding his breath that it dawned on him. It was Haster, or rather the absence of Haster. The manservant had been an unwelcome, lurking presence in his life for as long as he could remember a proxy for father, and then later the council, as inexorable as the sunrise and always vigilant. There had never been a time when he wasn't lurking around the corner like an especially solid ghost, just waiting for him to trip up. Crow had grown so used to it, that he never realized just how twitchy it kept him. Not until that humming, discordant note on the edge of his awareness was finally gone. Now he felt unexpectedly relaxed. More than relaxed, he felt free. It was an odd feeling. An odd, very good feeling. Now he was just sitting in his throne chair, with his bare feet propped up on the desk, lazily paging through a book of plays 
and keeping half an eye on the open window for any little white pigeons. He was rarely too far from his window nowadays. There had not yet been a response to his last letter, and he still held out hope that something might reach him today before it got too dark. As the late afternoon waned, he noticed that the ravens were making an unusual kind of racket. There was always a rise in volume around this hour, but they were yelling especially loudly right now, and not in the agitated, screeching timber he had come to associate with an approaching attacker. The territorial little bastards earned their keep. He had to give them that. Some new and exciting food, maybe? Best to check it out. He hadn't lived as long as he had without cultivating a healthy paranoia. Crow went over, book in hand, and looked curiously out the window. The sun had just begun to set. A firm breeze had kicked up, making spreading ripples across the distant trees of the wood as they swayed. Far below, bright against the deepening twilight, was a huge white horse with a blonde rider standing just outside the wide ring of black thorns. The book hit the wooden floorboards with a thud. Crow was away from the window and through the bedroom door before he had time to think or even fully process, flying down the stairs faster than he'd ever taken them before, feet barely touching the stone. He burst out the door at the base of the tower, breathing hard. He parted the thorns with a word and sweep of his arm, scattering a few ravens perched on the hedge. Azra had just dismounted and was standing right there on the other side, facing away from him, patting Serafina. He wore a gold doublet that shone resplendent against the dark green all around him, and he was holding his drawn sword. Crow wavered on his feet, trying to maintain some semblance of composure. Then Azra turned and saw him, and his face broke into a brilliant, hopeful smile. The sword dropped to the ground in a flash of silver. Crow's feet pulled him right through that hedge and into Azra's open arms. For a while, they just held each other. Azra was soft and solid in his arms. His hair was wind-blown and smelled like fresh air. His skin smelled of paper and cologne-tinged clean sweat. Crow pressed his lips to the side of his neck, above the white cravat, and just enjoyed that incredible, familiar smell. His feet were steady on the grass now, rooted firmly to the earth, while the hedge and tower and purpling sky whirled around them both, as if they stood at the very center of a spinning top. Home. 
It rang through his blood and mind, echoing with every beat of his heart. Home, home, home. I hope this isn't an inconvenient time, Azra said at last. Crow snorted. <laughs> I'm horrified. Such terrible manners. I think I need a moment. He took that moment, and several more, as he squeezed him tighter. Hmm. Has something happened? Is anything wrong? Azra pulled back a little and beamed at him. No, nothing is wrong. Quite the opposite. He smoothed back Crow's unbound hair with one hand. All is well. Crow let out a relieved breath. Dizzy. <sighs> good, good. Then what are... Uh, white. He gave his head a shake and cast a quick look around. The ravens had quieted once more and were just sitting perched atop the tower and hedge as usual. But still, no sense just standing here with his arse hanging in the wind. Uh, uh, let's get inside before anything else. It had been a while since the last hero attack. The odds seemed higher than average. Keeping a hold of Azra's hand, he turned and opened the thorny doorway, then scooped up the unsheathed sword from the ground, where it had been unceremoniously dropped. <laughs> Were you planning to stab me with this thing? He teased. Azra rolled his eyes with a smile. <laughs> Don't be silly. I was trying to be a bit more prepared this time, just in case. He took Serafina's reins, and together they all hurried through into the safety of the grounds. Once the hedge crackled closed behind them, Crow was able to relax and exhale. <sighs> okay, so what are you doing back here so quick? It's only been a couple of days. Azra's rounded face was flushed, blue eyes bright and excited as he patted the horse's neck. I knew, but I simply couldn't bear to stay there one day longer, not when I had another option. So I've uh, leapt ahead of schedule. You told your brothers already? Crow asked incredulously. His stomach did a strange sort of leap at the thought. Well, no, not yet. Azra took both of Crow's hands, nearly vibrating with nervous energy. But I decided that there was no need to tell Gabriel before I left, after all. Not when it could give him a chance to cause trouble for us. So I told him that I wanted to take another guard duty shift, and here we are. He beamed and staggered slightly as Serafina laid her enormous head on his shoulder. The horse lipped affectionately at his hair, and Crow noticed for the first time 
that she was laden down with much larger saddlebags than usual. Azra had packed. Crow blinked at him, feeling dazed. Really? Just, just like that? Azra nodded, speaking very quickly. I'll simply send him a message instead. In a couple of days, I can go to a post station in a city above the wall and send a letter to the palace saying goodbye and that I've decided to live elsewhere. I'll sign it with my signet ring so Gabriel knows it's truly from me. He won't be able to do a thing about it. He won't even know where I am. And besides, he'll soon be much too busy with the arriving tournament guests and everything else involved, with no time or opportunity to make a fuss. If there's one thing Gabriel hates more than anything, it's losing public face. Azra looked so smugly pleased with himself, and at the same time alarmed at his own audacity, that Crow had to laugh. <laughs> wow! I can't believe! Wow! Crow shook his head, an incredulous smile curling his mouth. For someone so outwardly fussy and predictable, Azra never ceased to astonish him with the things he said and did. <laughs> when I said, hurry back, I didn't expect this. You don't do things by halves, do you? Who is this fearless rebel? He grinned as Azra blushed and rolled his eyes. Crow sobered a little. I mean, are you sure you're all right with this? I know you really wanted to do things a certain way. Azra hesitated. Well, yes... I have no desire to cause unnecessary hardship for anyone. That much is still true. But I'm certainly not going to put us at risk to make Gabriel's life easier. Not any more. Some things simply cannot be tolerated. For just an instant, the blue eyes narrowed, though not at Crow, and a hint of that steely streak glinted. Ah. Crow wondered what the hell had happened to spark that in his mild-mannered Asra, knowing his brothers nothing pleasant. But he didn't want to ask about that right at the moment, because, oh shit, it was really beginning to sink in that Asra was here and looking so elated and under the nervous energy was something more carefree and happy than Crow had ever seen on him before. The stomach leaps became full-blown backflips, and his heart began pounding in counterpoint. He took a couple of quick, deep breaths before his skin could start to heat up. Azra was still holding tight to his hands, and beaming at him, radiant. And I realized that whatever happens next, good or ill, I'd far rather be with you to face it, my dear. 
I've arranged for another trunk of my things to be delivered to the Golden Pony. It should be there in a day or so, and I can retrieve it then. And that should be that. Uncertainty splashed suddenly over his face, and the excited smile faltered. Oh, oh dear. His shoulders slumped. The back flips paused. What? Crow asked. Well, I, I've done it again, haven't I? I really ought to have sent you a letter first. It's much sooner than we had discussed, and I simply got carried away. I'm sorry, I don't mean to simply barge in on your home like this without asking. Azra trailed off, and the apple of his throat bobbed as he swallowed anxiously. I'm perfectly happy to take a spare room and keep out of your way, or I can always go back and stay at my usual rooms at the Golden Pony for a while instead, as a sort of transition phase to give you time to... Crow simply yanked him into his arms, mid-nonsense, and kissed him. He held him tight, bent him slightly backwards, and poured every ounce of incredulous joy into it, letting his enthusiasm answer for itself. Azra went slack in his grip with a sigh, and soft hands cupped Crow's face as he kissed him back. It was slightly reminiscent of their first kiss in Eden, except this one held only pure exhilaration. No searing pain in Crow's breast, no desperate certainty that he was going to break in half if he didn't hold him right this instant. Only soft, eager lips and the surety of Azra's solid arms around him, as if they had never left, holding him together. The sensation of absolute, impossible rightness in the world that he had felt for the first time in his life only a few days ago. Oh, Azra said faintly, as they finally eased upright and apart. Yeah, Crow wheezed. That warm static was back, pouring through his body and mind, melting everything except his awareness of the man in his arms. He had to pause and breathe and check to see if his feet were still touching the ground. They were, barely. I think I can handle a few extra dies with you. You know, if you really want to. Azra sighed and rested their foreheads together. Well, the feeling is mutual, obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Crow closed his eyes, hearing that silent, thrumming echo again. Welcome home, Angel. They settled Serafina into her stall, and as they removed the horse's tack, Azra pondered aloud about building a larger paddock, making plans, 
something real and concrete that smacked of future in a way that Crow was still struggling to grasp. It was thrilling, even more concrete and slightly less thrilling were the saddlebags that they then had to haul inside and up the stairs to Crow's room. No small task, that, because those oversized bags turned out to be almost entirely stuffed full of books. Large books. Crow had never thought of a book as being a terribly heavy thing, but through some peculiar alchemy, they became as weighty as flagstones when clumped together and hauled up seven flights of stairs. Well, I could hardly entrust my collection to someone else's care, now could I? Azra pointed out, in a tone of utmost reason. Crow had only enough breath to grunt in reply, as he dragged his own obscenely heavy stack up the stairs feeling an unexpected surge of kinship with Serafina. At least he'd only have to do this once. Those bags and Azra's sword were stuffed under Crow's bed for the time being, and promptly forgotten about. Once Crow caught his breath, he made the visibly weary Azra sit down, then served them both dinner. By happy coincidence, he had already set a pot of rabbit stew over the kitchen fire to cook earlier in the day, and by even happier coincidence, it was one of the dishes he was particularly proud of. They sat at his little bedroom table together and ate, watching the golden sun sink out of sight below the trees while they worked their way through a bottle of white wine. Crow was so full of incredulous happiness that there wasn't much room left inside for food. He mostly just sat there, chin propped on his fist, and holding Azra's hand, drinking in his presence, while his own bowl of stew cooled feeling the wine envelop him in a relaxed cloud and slowly easing the shock of this sudden new development. Azra, for his part, demolished two bowls of piping hot stew with his usual delicate gusto, apparently taking the entire situation in stride, just as well as he had last time. He certainly wasn't acting like he felt nervous about this, about turning his entire life upside down for... for renegade sorcerer living on the edge of nowhere. The thought made Crow wince. Azra sighed, the sound jerking him from his reverie. The sun had fully set by now. The ravens sat quiet in their roosts. A burnished silver crescent of a moon hung in the dark sky outside the open window, and the stars were coming out from behind wispy streaks of cloud. My, that's much bitter, Azra said with another sigh, laying his neatly folded napkin on the table 
next to his empty bowl. His cheeks were rosy again, from the food and wine both, and he had a contented glow about him that wasn't entirely from the lamplight. Thank you. That was delicious. I've scarcely eaten all day, though I did stop to bathe in Tadfield before I came here, at least. Ah, so that was it. Crow grinned and tugged at his ivory cravat. I thought you smelled especially unhorse-like today. <laughs> Scoundrel! Azra swatted his hand away, but returned the smile, eyes crinkling almost shut. I'm so happy to be here with you at last, my dear. That simple affirmation took Crow's breath away, even as the smile punched right through his chest. He would never, ever get used to that smile being directed at him. It was all he could do to swallow and grind out. I'm so happy too. You have no idea. He looked down at Asra's right hand, where it was still entwined with his own, resting between them on the table. He put his other hand over it as well, feeling the weight of his fingers, the soft texture of the skin, rubbed a thumb over the familiar contours of the signet ring, the symbol of everything Azra was giving up by being here, by choosing him. Crow looked back up. Azra just sat there, watching him, blonde head tilted to the side and a gently curious smile on his face. Crow lifted Azra's hand and kissed the gold ring. I want to show you something, he said quietly. He led Azra down the stairs to the fifth floor of the tower, to the tightly shut and warded oak door. With only the slightest nervous tremor, Crow disengaged the magical lock and paused with his hand on the brass doorknob. No one else has ever been in here. My goodness! Asra raised his eyebrows at him, teasing. Should I be concerned? Crow took a deep breath and pushed the door open. He lit the sconces with a snap of his fingers, and they stepped inside. As the soft white lights filled the narrow room, one by one, Azra's eyes widened. He looked around with mouth in a little, oh, taking in the long tables arrayed with a double dozen different flowers, the pots hanging from the ceiling with vines reaching in tangled masses towards the ground. So much greenery that it blurred out the stone walls and made it feel like they were not inside a room at all. Every possible color blooming everywhere, overwhelmed by a disproportionate amount of sunny yellow. Oh, my, this is your garden? 
Azra's voice was soft with awe. This is what you meant all this time? Crow nodded. His heart was smashing his ribcage to kindling, and for the first time since creating this place, he didn't spare even a glance for the flowers. His eyes were fixed on Azra, watching his reaction. It shouldn't make him feel this nervous. He knew that. It was just a few plants. Curse it. It was stupid to stand here, feeling like he was taking off his clothes in front of him. The amount of work and skew this must have all taken. Asra seemed momentarily at a loss for words. He walked slowly down the curved aisle of greenery, blonde head swiveling side to side to look at everything, pulling Crow along behind him. He didn't seem to notice how sweaty Crow's hand had become. These are the most flawless roses I've ever seen. Not a single spot to be found. And all the leaves are so, so lush. We can't even grow anything this fine at the palace. And nowhere near this variety. And especially in autumn. And, oh! He pointed delightedly to a cluster of sunset gold snapdragons flecked with crimson. What a gorgeous color! How did you get the yellow so vivid? He didn't even wait for an answer, but kept walking and exclaiming anew with each new table he saw, white and gold among the green, bright as a flower himself, and far more beautiful, with face lit up in excitement. Crow followed, smiling and unable to get a word in edgewise, which was lucky because that damned prickling lump in his throat had made a reappearance. Azra finally stopped walking and turned to face him. Crow, this is incredible. I knew you were understating things by calling it a hobby, but good heavens, this is beyond anything I could have imagined. You clearly have a gift. Crow shrugged and scratched at the back of his neck. His cheeks felt very hot. It's, uh, it's really not as impressive as all that. He abruptly needed something to do with his hands. For lack of any better idea, he picked up a nearby watering can and began watering the already waterlogged pot of star lilies, daring them to comment. I've had more than twenty years to work on it, after all, and the magic makes it a lot easier. He nodded to the spellbook, lying on a table next to them. Child's play, really? Nonsense. The fact that you did it with magic only makes it that much more extraordinary. I wish more people knew that sorcery could do things like this. Azra carefully picked up the book, and as he looked closer, 
his fascinated expression changed to something like horror. There was a garbled, spluttering sound. Ah, good Lord, Crow, what have you done to this book? he exclaimed. He mouthed wordlessly a few times, then gingerly lifted the cover to look inside. Eh, whoops. Crow supposed it had looked better. Every single page corner had been dog-eared at some point, making the book twice as thick as it normally would be, and the edges were heavily crinkled and marked from various colorful spills accumulated over the years. Creases ran from edge to edge of the brown leather cover. At least, he was pretty sure it had originally been brown. The spine was cracked. A large fern leaf had been carelessly thrust between the pages to serve as a crude bookmark. Uh, well, I've had it for most of my life, and I've used it outside a lot, and I had to hide it when I was young, stuffing it under my mattress, things like that. Crow grinned at Azra's scandalized expression. But, but, but this is easily rarer than any book I've ever owned, Azra protested faintly. This is hundreds of years old, a book of magic, and just look how lovely it used to be. He sputtered to a halt and shook his head with a pained expression on his face. He put a hand to his chest, closed his eyes, and set the book slowly back down upon the table, as if he couldn't bear to look at it any longer. <laughs> I've got smelling salts upstairs if you need them, Crow offered solemnly, trying not to laugh. <laughs> no, no, I'll be all right. Azra opened his eyes and heaved a resigned sigh. Oh, never mind. In any case, it was well worth it if this garden is the result. Thanks. High praise indeed. Coming from Azra, it truly was. Smiling, face still burning, he turned to set the watering can down. Hands touched him from behind, gripping lightly on both sides of his slender hips, and tugged. Crow stumbled back a step and suddenly found himself leaning against a front that was warm and solid. Unfortunately for you, my dear, Azra said, you are far rarer than any bull. His voice had a smile in it, with just a glint of mischief that was enough to make Crow's muscles go weak. Those strong arms encircled him, one round his waist and one palm pressing flat to his chest to hold them together, and then he was being gently rocked with soft lips touching behind his ear. Crow put an arm up behind him, around Azra's neck. Angel, he breathed. Azra sighed, letting his breath 
gust warm over Crow's neck, goosebumps sprang up on his skin in response, prickling down his back, across his shoulders, and the backs of his arms. Crow closed his eyes and turned his face towards him, feeling Azra's eyelashes brush his cheekbone, feeling his heart thud against the hand on his chest, as if drawn to it, and the corresponding pulse of heat in his belly. Azra's sunlit smell all around him, and the rough stone under his bare feet. He distantly realized he was still clutching the watering can with his other hand, but he was too far lost in the incredible moment to care. He stood there in the heart of his rebelliously distant tower, in the arms of his forbidden, unacceptably soft Imperion lover, surrounded by a garden made from magic he was never allowed to learn, and harboring a defiantly large horse who was never meant to have existed. And in that moment, every single stricture of his life seemed to be cracking wide open and toppling down, world expanding outward and outward without limits. My beautiful, remarkable sorcerer. Azra's voice brushed softly against his ear. Thank you for showing me this place. It's the loveliest thing I've ever seen, second only to you. The ocean of mad things welled up in Crow's chest again, larger than ever before, and this time there were no pieces at all to hold them back. Azra deserved poetry, deserved something much bigger and grander, but all Crow had were those simple, mad things, mad because he had never once said them before in his life, or even heard them said, and had never expected to. But once he said them, there was truly no taking them back. Like stepping off a cliff and entrusting himself to the whims of gravity, with no guarantee that he would not be shattered on the rocks below. He dragged in a breath, and finally whispered the words that had been shouting in his heart for months. I love you. It was say it at last, or die right there on the spot. Azra went perfectly still. Really? he whispered. Beyond speech, Crow only nodded. Azra swallowed and tightened his arms. I love you too, my darling. I love you so very much. Crow stood there, feeling those words trickle down into him. They made bright little rivulets of silver all through his chest until they touched his soul and ignited. His entire universe abruptly unfurled in a great bloom of color and possibility. The stone walls of his tower 
could no longer contain him. Gravity held no power after all, and he felt the most wonderful, wonderful freedom. The watering can fell out of Crow's hand with a clatter. He twisted around to face him and cupped Azra's face with both hands, cool water slushing over his bare feet. I love you. He kissed his lips and chin and eyelids and the little freckle on his left cheekbone. I love you. I love you. I love you. He kept trying to say it between increasingly frantic kisses, blurring the words against his skin. And Azra laughed as he wrapped his arms around him and kissed him back. They staggered backwards against a table, full of rather startled yellow tulips, and from there crashed directly into the unfortunate pink rose bushes. After a few very enthusiastic, prickly seconds, it became glaringly clear that this wasn't the most practical place. Azra finally made a sound of protest and extricated himself from the roses, trailing long golden threads where his doublet had caught on the thorns. Brilliant pink petals clung to his shoulders and adorned his must-pale hair. His cheeks were stained with matching color, and his mouth was rosy from kisses. His eyes shone. Without a word, he took Crow's hand and dragged him out the door into the stairwell, into the flickering orange lantern light, and up the spiraling stone steps. Crow hurried after, grinning like a fool. He left the door ajar behind them and didn't look back. They had to stop at each stairway landing to catch their breath, and almost didn't make it off those landings, as catching their breath segued into trying to steal each other's. Crow yanked Azra into his arms and kissed him without a shred of restraint, ravenous, starving for him, and Azra matched him, hunger for hunger, their panting echoed in the cramped, narrow stairwell. Lantern flames threw leaping tall silhouettes on the walls as they clung to the railing and each other. One particularly unrestrained, impatient moment on the sixth floor was nearly the end of it. Crow with his back pressed hard up against the solid oak of the door one wrist pinned flat as well, the solid ridge of Azra's erection pressing equally hard into him through the front of their breeches, Azra's mouth covering his sweeter than honey and stronger than brandy, better than anything he'd ever tasted, and Crow's entire body on fire from the inside out. Just when it seemed they would simply sink to the floor and work things out right then and there. Azra pulled away from his clutches and grabbed him by the wrist again. 
up they went, grinning like boys and progressively more disheveled, shedding bits of petal and emerald leaf along the way. They finally stumbled into the bedroom with arms around each other, grasping at handfuls of each other's clothes and peeling them off as they went with frantic haste. Crow kicked the door shut behind them without ceremony and kissed Azra in the moonlight pouring through the open window. He was already naked to the waist, but had only managed to get Azra's cravat off so far. He was still struggling with the dozen or so buckles running down the doublet, even as he tried to keep kissing his neck. Meanwhile, the prince was fumbling to open the laces on the front of his breeches, with a look of burning determination on his face. Curse it! At this rate, Crow was going to be Starkers before he saw even a bit of skin. <sighs> we really need to discuss your clothes, Crow panted, and with a growl of frustration, spoke a word of magic that made the rest of the stupid buckles slide open. Azra giggled breathlessly and helped him tore off his own doublet and flung it away somewhere into the void without looking to see where it landed. The shirt quickly followed, and the sight of his bare chest lit a fresh wildfire in Crow's belly. He'd thought he understood fire after all this time, knew the taste and flair and snap of it. But this was something else entirely. This burning. He needed to get his skin against Azra right now to sate that hunger, soothe the hot ache that had exploded through his entire body and seared between his legs. Crow shoved Azra up against the stone wall next to the desk and kissed him with all the wild passion coursing through him. He pinned him there and slotted himself between Azra's thighs, hooked a hand under the shorter man's knee to pull him up around him. This had the natural effect of bringing their erections together, and with a shift of his hips, he ground against him. Azra made a muffled, and completely involuntary sound of pure pleasure that set aflame every single nerve in Crow's body, and in that moment he felt incredibly suave and dashing, powerful, like one of the ridiculous heroes in the stories, until Azra decided to remind him of the differences in their strengths. It was a shock to find himself suddenly seized and bowled over backwards with inexorable force, to find himself slammed onto his own desk and fiercely kissed, pinned flat by Azra's larger weight, scattering papers and inkwell and Crow's thoughts along with them. A good shock, though the kind that started in his chest 
and ended taut between his splayed legs. He let out an incoherent exclamation of surprised delight, something along the lines of, <clears throat> and felt his eyes roll back into his head as books and iridescent raven feather quills went toppling in all directions. His desk was a disaster. They were crushing his things. He didn't care. Azra's mouth was on his neck, and his broad hands were everywhere else, scritching down his chest, groping the small of his back, caressing between his thighs, and Crow was so damned hard that it felt like he could come right then and there. He nearly did when those hands eagerly slid under his open breeches to grab his bare backside. That's how Crow eventually found himself lying on his side in bed that first evening. Azra's plush, naked body pressed all along the back of him, from shoulders to feet, and not a stitch of clothing between them. Azra's breath was hot and urgent on the nape of his neck, soft curves molding against all the empty parts and filling them in, strong arms tight around Crow's waist, clutching him possessively close, cock nestled in the crease of his rear, and frotting rock hard while one soft hand stroked him from the front. Crow, Azra moaned into his hair and kissed between his shoulder blades. Anthony. Crow was miles beyond responding. He held Azra's hand and squeezed his eyes shut, so powerfully undone that he could only gasp in return. He was already so close, the hot slide of Azra's cock alone was nearly more than his limited endurance could bear. Azra was making soft little mm, 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 whimpers of pleasure with each gentle thrust of his hips, the same kind of noises that he made when he ate a particularly decadent bite of dessert, except far more urgent. Better. Crow groaned and clamped a fist around the base of himself to stay Azra's hand, barely hanging on. Angel, I'm not gonna last if you keep making that sound. As it was, he was never going to be able to calmly watch him eat ever again. Azra paused. Wait, my love, he murmured in his ear. His voice was tight with pleasure and restraint. He sat up and gently rolled Crow onto his back, knelt between his legs with a hand on each knee. Crow swallowed hard, staring transfixed up at him. He felt intimately vulnerable like this, lying naked on his back with his legs open. His cock was standing at attention, flushed dark red, and taut with impatience. 
already seeping pleasure at the slit. His yellow eyes and many scars were uncovered and out in the open for anyone to see. He was more exposed in every possible way than he'd ever been in his life. Involuntary tremors shivered down his body, making his limbs twitch. Azra looked him up and down. Oh, aren't you lovely, he whispered. He slid a trembling hand from Crow's knee down his thigh, eyes locked on his body. So beautiful. Lovely didn't even begin to describe what Crow was seeing. Azra's skin was milk-pale in the starlight, hair like moonlight itself, kneeling there with his gloriously naked, decadent body on full display, layers of softness that still couldn't hide the bulk of muscle underneath, broadening his shoulders, giving contour to his arms and chest, everything his clothes had ever hinted at, and more. And fuck, but Crow wanted him, wanted him more than he had ever known it was possible to want anything in the world. Come here. Crow reached out and took him by the waist and pulled him down atop himself. Azra came eagerly, willingly, and then, then the entire world was his body, silky smooth against his chest, thighs heavy between his legs, everywhere, bare skin sliding together as they twined arms and legs around each other, warm lips searching for each other, as hands and tongues roamed freely, Crow grasped that decadence with his hands, panting, sank fingers into Azra's plush flank, and pulled him close. He could feel Azra's cock pressed between them, hot and stiff along his stomach. Azra pushed forward with his hips, angled just so, to press that beautifully hard length against his own, and Crow gasped as his vision spiraled. Oh, fuck! Oh! Azra gasped, too, breathless and shuddering. Crow thrust up, digging into the softness of Azra's middle against his hardness again, and oh! He let out a grit-teethed keen of pure, blind pleasure, head thrown back, eyes rolled so far back he couldn't see. Azra moaned, too, deep and ragged in his throat, and then they were both rutting hard, erections sliding against each other in the tight, increasingly slick place between their bodies. Azra touched their foreheads together and whispered, I love you, to him, again and again, voice catching, sometimes losing his voice entirely, 
and just mouthing the words. In one determined motion, Crow rolled them over, crawled atop him, and took his place. Azra had flung one arm out to the side. Crow pinned his hand there and picked up where they had left off, rolling his hips, angling to keep that perfect contact. His thrusts grew faster, sloppier, more desperate, in perfect time with the increasingly loud sounds Azra was making. There was blinding heat between them, converging right where they rubbed together, a delicious point of hot friction that built and built and built. Mm. Oh! Azra gasped, his free hand clenched on Crow's back. Oh, don't stop! Please, please don't stop! A deep groan, and Crow felt Azra come first, in a burst of fresh heat all along their stomachs. <sighs> Fuck! It was too much. A single ecstatic thrust into that slippery warmth sent him over the edge, and he was coming too both of them moaning, grinding until they were thoroughly drenched with each other. He managed to hold the magic back this time, just barely, held in a churning ball within, rather than spilling it everywhere when he spilled himself. He rolled off Azra and had to lay there panting for a moment as his heartbeat settled hand on his heaving chest. There was still a white-hot point under his sternum, not exactly comfortable. He lifted one hand and spread his fingers above their heads, conjured up his map of star constellations, and felt the heat slowly bleed away. Azra scooted down a little bit, and wrapped both arms around his waist, which was narrow enough that his arms overlapped to the elbows. He lay his head against Crow and gazed quietly up at the shifting points of light. After a minute, he shut his eyes and pressed his face into Crow's chest, unmoving. You all right? Crow asked quietly. Oh, very much so, said Azra. He didn't lift his head. I'm just making sure you're real. It was so much more the kind of thing that Crow expected himself to say that he would have laughed if Azra hadn't sounded so somber. Of course I'm real. Come here. He extinguished the stars with a wave of his hand and rolled over a little, pulled and cajoled Azra up to lie on his side next to him. See, I'm right here. If I was a phantom, I would be better looking. Azra smiled at that and touched his cheek. <laughs> All the more reason to think you are, then. Ha ha, it's true. 
You are perfectly sublime. Crow scoffed. <laughs> and you, my angel, are so far above what I deserve that you may as well be the moon. You light up every room you enter. And as for beauty, he kissed Azra's swollen lips, pressed his mouth to the hollow of his throat, brushed the side of his neck with fingertips. Your hair is like sunlight on the water, he whispered. Your skin is softer than the finest rose petal. I could drown in the blue of your eyes, and every single inch of your body is just. He ran a hand from his shoulder down to his hip, over his deceptively soft torso, and was left momentarily speechless as he took it all in again. In the moonlight, damp curls of blonde hair shone silver on his chest, at the softening junction of his groin, on his thighs, just a shade paler than his skin. It was Crow's first time seeing him fully naked, laid out bare in the open like this, and the sight was simply, simply magic. He breathed and bent to kiss each of those curls. Just perfect. He raised his head to look at him and found Azra staring at him with a kind of tender surprise. With a start, he realized what he'd been saying and embarrassment shut up his mouth like mortar. Um... Apparently he'd had some poetry in him after all. How did Azra always do that to him? He hadn't meant for so much to come tumbling out, but there it was. Oh, my love. Azra was still looking at him like that, with that almost pained expression. You think too highly of me. And that loosened Crow's tongue again. If there's higher to go, I don't know it. And you aren't going to change my mind. He quickly kissed him before he could protest. And again, when it looked like he would argue. Soon both their mouths were too occupied to say stupid things. That was the first night. End of chapter 23. Thank you for reading. Please drop by the archive and let the author know what you thought of their work.